With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, good morning. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth, the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And on our show today, we're going to talk about desegregation. If you can believe that it's 2019 and we're talking about desegregation in education, can you believe it? I was stupefied last night when I read this article on the New York Times, as usual, trolling the web. <laughs> you know, stuff just pops up, <laughs> right? And apparently they, they track you based on what you read. And I was just amazed to find out that I, I give all glory to God because he just leads me the right direction to find these kinds of topics that are interesting to bring to you, our listeners. And I kid you not, I was just as dumbfounded as anything to find out that in a Maryland school district, Columbia, Maryland, they're actually talking about desegregation in 2019. And I got to tell you, when I read the article, I couldn't believe it. I, if it had not been written on a, on a periodical or on a newspaper that I don't doubt the veracity of, I don't know that I would have believed it myself. But the truth of the matter is that it is what it is. It's real. So I'm going to set the stage for you by telling you, but first, I need to do some 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 uh, feedback and to talk to some folks and so on. Thank you for those of you who are joining us. But in a Maryland school district, we're talking about desegregation at this time. It sounds almost uh, unreal that we would be talking about that. But what can I tell you? Stuff happens, doesn't it? Stuff happens. So it is interesting to note that... It's 2019. Uh, we thought we had passed the era of segregation, right? We thought that that kind of stuff kind of left off after civil rights, after the 1960s. Not in Maryland. Maryland is another state, isn't it? Maryland is supposedly another state. Why are we talking about desegregation in America, in education in 2019? It seems to me that the more further we try to go forward, we're taking 10 steps backwards. There are some things that are a disconnect to those of us who are watching this. And I think, I think that it is perhaps uh, something to think about. There are some unique uh, parameters to this one that we need to pay attention to. So I'm going to bring to you the facts are. But first, let me ask all of you, those of you who watch us regularly as we stream on Twitter and Periscope, and for those of you who also uh, listen to us, can you do me a favor? Can you go to my page on Anchor FM and click on support this podcast? Uh, become a subscriber. You can also continue to share our podcast with others when we sign off. On Twitter and Periscope, there are other subjects that you might not have heard. There are other shows that you might not have heard. So can you go to Anchor FM and look up the other shows? We're available on Spotify. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, right? We're, we're on a variety of podcast platforms. But for those of you who are still interested in uh, education and who are still following the stories around education, just last week we talked about school districts in, in, in Michigan that are underperforming. And it seems as if they're, it, 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 it's not too far off to say that irrespective of whether people are blue, they vote blue or vote red, there still is some sort of inherent and implicit biases that surround education for most people. Whether you are black or white, if you're white, doesn't matter if you're blue, you vote blue or you vote red. Because in this situation, this is a school district. This neighborhood, Columbia, Maryland, was founded on the principles of, of non-racism, was founded on the principles of liberalism. Most people in the school district identify themselves as liberals. They claim they're Democrats. Yet we found that implicit bias, as evidenced by race and racism and classism, abound. What happens in that school district was the school a superintendent of schools looked at the entire district and decided that there were some students who were underperforming and that if they integrated, because they could see the kids who were underperforming were low-income students, right? Perhaps their parents worked, right? Low-income jobs, and so they're not able to spend as much time with homework. They also can't afford extracurriculars and so on, right? We know how that works, right? Then in the higher performing areas, the students uh, in the wealthier sub, uh, suburbs of the, the, the town, they found that students performed better. So the school district came up with the idea to integrate and to blend students. So they would bus people, they would bus the wealthier students to another school and uh, integrate it to see if that what they found. They said, when you do that, the test scores kind of balance out. So it doesn't look as if one part of the district performs better than the other. Well, when they made that proposal to the general school district, it was a revolution, <laughs> literally. People were angry. They felt that they didn't want those kids in their schools, and they didn't want their kids to go to that school where those kids are. And what we found was a long color line Along color lines, the marginalization was evident. So white kids and Asian kids felt that their kids should not mix with black and Hispanic kids. I kid you not. We're talking about desegregation in Maryland in 2019. So white parents and Asian parents. Now imagine this. Asian parents are immigrants, descendants of immigrants, immigrants, right? And they began their discourses by saying, we're not racist, we are liberal, we vote Democrats. That's what they say. But they're liberals and Democrats until it starts affecting them. So when it began affecting them and affecting their students being bused, their children being bused to another section of the school district, they didn't like that. They're fighting it. They also said their their kids drive so if their kids had to drive further, then they would have accidents. So I read the article to see how far they would drive. I thought, oh, my God, why would you want your kid driving an extra 10 miles in winter? 
Turns out they would only be driving two miles further. So they also said their kids would commit suicide if they went into the schools where, where black and Hispanic kids are more prevalent. Black and Hispanic kids are watching and saying, well, if that's how you feel about it, well, we don't want you in our schools either. If you think that you are better because you're wealthier, then don't come here either. So the school district said, well, we have to make a decision because we can't just let something like this continue to happen. This is what I've been talking about. The politics, the racism of neoliberalism. So these are people who say they're liberal and they vote Democrat, but they're just as racist <laughs> as anybody else. And when I, when I say this, people say, well, Harriet, no, no, it is what it is. Everybody says they're fine until it's their lives on the line. When it's going to affect their kids, all of a sudden, I don't want my kids mixing with those kids. And if the truth be told, there is some parental concern that you have to acknowledge there because if in the school district, if it's in the schools that they're proposing to blend and integrate, if there's violence there, if there are drugs there, I perhaps would not, I wouldn't want my child in a school where violence and drugs are. That's just being, being realistic as a parent. But if all you're worried about, but if drugs and violence are not the determining factor, which the article did not specify that, the article did not say it had a high drug problem or it had a violent problem. It just said the students did not perform as well on test scores. So there is an element of classism, and nobody wants to say the R word because, after all, we are all liberals. That's what they're saying. So we're not racist at all, but you are. You are racist if you're discriminating against a person of another race. You are racist if you don't think that your child should uh, be mixed or integrate with another child. That tells us all that after they graduate high school, after they go to college, and after they start working, these are the same folks who discriminate against colored people applying for jobs. They don't think they should mix with them. They don't think they should mix with colored people because they think they're inherently better and that there's something wrong with them being black or with them being Hispanic. I am calling out Asians because in that school district, there are a number of Asians and Indians and uh, Asians and Indians, Indians from India, not Native Americans, Indians from India. I'm calling you all out on your BS. You're all racist. And look at you being racist. And when it comes down to it, the way the society classifies everybody is either you are white or non-white. Look at that. Imagine in America, we have finally, thank you, America, that we have finally gotten to the stage where you have so divided, you have conquered now, that Asians who are yellow-skinned and Indians who are brown-skinned get an opportunity to discriminate against Hispanics and Blacks. Imagine that. And have the nerve. Yeah, if you're Indian, you need to come and talk to me. Right? You need to talk to me. Come and show me how liberal you are. And to me, at first when I read it, you know, I wanted to think that it was more classism than anything else because I'm like, maybe 
you know, traditionally they are more affluent because they are more educated, right? So they tend to uh, live in better neighborhoods and they have more stability, financial stability, because they, they're high income earners. They're either doctors or anesthesiologists or they're uh, uh, engineers or scientists. So they tend to, you know, have higher paying jobs, so, you know, they earn more. But the truth of the matter is that when, when you listen to their speak, right, you begin to realize that they're, so at first I wanted to put it down to just good old-fashioned classism, but they're just classes, you know, they're just, but then when you start referring to people as them and those people, then I begin to realize that you're also, you also somehow think you are better than the people who don't look like you. I'm not surprised. I am just amazed that you dare to call yourself a liberal. <laughs> and this is the stuff that the Democratic Party is made of. This is the stuff that the Democratic Party, this is the disconnect why the Democratic Party is in shambles, just like the Republican Party. Both of them are in shambles. The Republican Party found an element in themselves that they have to confront, that they don't know what to do, but at the same time, they don't want to lose control of the power of having the government under their control. On the other hand, you have the Democratic Party, who now has to face this problem that we advocate to say that we need the Black vote and the Hispanic vote but there are elements within your party that are racist and classist. That's the Democratic Party. And traditionally, Indian Americans, the people who call themselves Indian Americans from India, traditionally, they don't align themselves with anybody's cause. This is why they don't, as a voting block, nobody really goes to them, because they pick and choose whom they're going to support. So nobody really goes to them because they're not steady, they're not stable. If they feel like voting for this candidate, that's who they do it. So nobody really goes for them, but they're affluent. And I think they're learning to harness their affluence, but they just choose the wrong, they choose the wrong side of the coin. Because in the big picture, they see themselves as less colored and more white. They tend to see themselves as having em, em, you know, embraced and embodying the values of being white. So they see white as a value rather than as a color. So they say, well, if I uh, maintain the values of being white, then I should be classified near white or being white as opposed to being classified as a brown or black person. They misunderstand the color metrics of America. They misunderstand what drives the color metrics and how it works. So they think that they can change it by aligning themselves with whites. And whites are like, no, you're not. Don't come over here. And blacks are like, don't even talk to me when they start on your group. Because you never knew me in my struggle. You definitely are not going to know me in my resurrection. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? And it, it, it's, it's interesting to look at. It, it's interesting to look at because it's mind-blowing because we never thought we would see this in America. We never thought that the day and time would come. In 2019, we're talking about, this is not a broadcast that is taking place in 1960 
1965. This is 2019. And we're talking about desegregation in education in a northern school, not a southern school district, in a northern school. Now, the people who founded Columbia, Maryland, the guy who started it, as a matter of fact, he started it based on the premise that there was no racism. In fact, the first child born in that in that area, in that town, was the product of a biracial, was, was a black man and a white person and a white woman. And, the first, and that was supposed to be the symbol of how non-racist they are. This was in the 1960s. So you can just imagine how revolutionary the thought was at the time. You know, a black person, is, a black guy is free to marry a white woman and, you know, have a child and blah, blah, blah. Fast forward 50 years later. And we're still divided along color lines and now along economic lines. This is telling all of us that racism is not only alive and well, but classism has risen up in America. And it is, it is manifesting itself in healthcare, and it is manifesting in education. It's manifesting in careers. It's manifesting in every area of life. And we are still asleep at the switch. We're still asleep at the switch, and we still are not paying attention to what we should be paying attention to. We're still not looking at education as something that should be available. I mean, we just did a a story on charter schools in Michigan and discovered that the, 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 the activity, the idea, the ideology around charter schools is that it should be free market, that education is not something guaranteed by the Constitution, that education is, not, they don't want edu- people to be educated. They want to collect the money from the state but not allow the kids to be educated. Because after all, if you let black kids be educated, you might have another Barack Obama. Hey, morning, <laughs> right? My viewers are, are greeting me here on Twitter and Periscope. Do you see what I'm saying? It's the craziest thing, folks. It's the craziest thing. I mean, I was sitting up in my couch. At first, I was just like, wow, another story to read. So you know how we multitask. You know, you're watching TV, but you're reading at the same time, right? And I was just dumbfounded. Reading the article made me sit up. I sat up straight because I couldn't believe that we're talking about this in 21st century America, that this is actually a thing. My friends, we got to wake up, right? When you have a group of immigrants, Asians and Indians, determining that they don't want to mix with Blacks and Hispanics, I think we need to, we need to understand how the society has shifted. Uh, regardless of whether they're right or, or, or wrong, the fact is they recognize that they have a choice and they don't want to be branded. They're changing how they're branded. They don't want to be seen and branded. We don't have those issues in our community. Well, I have news for Indians and Asian immigrants. I have news for you. You just got over. So you are the first generation. Give you a couple more generations, and you're going to find that you end up in the same debacle that Blacks and Hispanics are in. It will take a couple more generations to change. Trust me, it does. What happened to blacks did not happen overnight. It happened over time. It's 400 years, right, to, to desegregate and destroy a people. 
by economic oppression. If it took 400 years to destroy blacks, they have, means they have a system. So it's only a matter of time. So give it another 50 years. Asian and, and, and uh, Indian, you're not going to be at the top. Give it a couple more decades, and you'll find yourselves in the same situation. Because you don't essentially understand what the problem is. The problem is the skin. It's skin deep. And it's not like the, the countries where you come from, where in India there is a caste system. And the caste system is predicated on inherited wealth. And that if you come from this caste, then you belong there and you stay in that caste for the rest of your life. That's not what happens here. Here, it's skin deep. Racism is skin deep. How else do you explain that a former NFL player with $13 million walks into a, a Chase bank and Chase, Chase's investment policy is that if you are worth $250,000, you are immediately granted a specialized status. But a black man who is worth $13 million walks into a Chase bank and is mistreated. It's Indeed, I dare say that brown-skinned Indians and Pakistanis encounter the same dilemma. They just choose to ignore it, right? They don't see it as that. They choose to be oppressed. They're given everything from food to housing. Is that a real gold necklace? It's very nice, yes. Yeah, this is Twitter Live, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Thank you. Do you see what I'm saying? So we have to change the narrative. We have to change the narrative. If, if as a group of people, if another group of people see you, start changing the narrative. Start by just being you. Do what you can do, irrespective of the challenges and the obstacles and the barriers. Don't just fall into the stereotype. It's there for everybody. There is a stereotype for rural white Americans. <laughs> Right? There is a stereotype for everybody, but you can change your narrative. But I think what we we are missing is how much implicit bias plays into the decisions that surround the major pillars of our society. Education is one of them. And implicit bias exists. Implicit bias is there. It is understood so much so that another group of people who are similarly uh, 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 subjected to the same things as black and Hispanic say, I don't want to be grouped with those people. That's all that it comes down to. It's like, I don't want to be grouped with those people because I don't get handouts about housing and I don't, my people don't get handouts about this and I don't want to be grouped with them. I warn you all, give it a couple decades and you will see how everybody just becomes part of that. No, I'm not part Italian. I'm just, I'm very expressive, <laughs> right? Matter of fact, to be honest with you, I, I am dismaying the people who raised me because they raised me not to use my hands expressively. So they're probably rolling over in their graves like I can't believe after I taught her that she still does it. But do you see what I'm saying? So now we have to change the narrative because now – if this is happening in Columbia, Maryland, I dare say it is happening across other school districts. We see that happening here in Michigan. We don't want to call it desegregation, but it is 
what it is. When blacks from Detroit began moving into, into other communities that were predominantly white, white people just kept moving, moving away to create their own school districts. Until now, they're like, oh, my God, how far can we move to? <laughs> we can't move any further. So believe me, they're trying to find ways to do it. But what happens is because we went through a 2008 crisis, there's still some school districts that haven't recovered because the population in some towns never recovered because jobs never came back, right? They closed plants and they stayed closed. Businesses were affected, right? But here in Columbia, Maryland, in, in Columbia, Maryland, what you're looking at is not that. That's a very affluent area because the government is the biggest employer around there. So the government has contractors and subcontractors, and a lot of people benefit from being near the central government. The central government is in D.C. So that whole area of Virginia, Northern Virginia, and, and D.C. and Maryland, that whole area benefits from having access to the federal government. The federal government distributes contracts. I mean, it's a very affluent area. People dress different. People look different. People are wealthier because they have access to government contracts and they provide employment and so on and it keeps going out. Whereas out here in the boondocks, it's like, huh? <laughs> like literally, like we're almost rural America compared to what happens out there, right? Here, federal government, where? They don't need to have an outpost in Michigan, Detroit. Why? <laughs> right? They choose a central place like Ohio or Indiana. They're like, we all want to see me come back from there. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There are government offices here. <laughs> Trust me. I'm kidding. I'm just saying that we have this huge issue, my friend, desegregation. I, I still... I'm going to be honest with you. I thought I was going to be so fired up over this this morning, and I think I'm still in shock that I have to talk about desegregation in a Maryland school district in 2019. If that is not something to to talk about, I don't know what is. And I don't know how much longer. I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to deal with this. Uh, I'm going to publish the link to the story. So you can read it and then you can see what we're talking about. And when you read it for yourself, and I, I encourage you to take time to read it. When you read it for yourself, you, you become aware that there is a disconnect here. There is something seriously wrong with what my friends are doing and saying in Columbia, Maryland. It's almost as if, huh? That's what I said to myself. I'm like, huh? Am I reading this right? Did this happen in Maryland? This is... I, I looked at the town and I'm like, Baltimore, Maryland, Baltimore, maybe Baltimore, South Carolina or something. But it was in fact, Baltimore, Maryland. We're talking about desegregation. We're talking about busing children. So you know what's going to happen eventually? If they insist, if the school district insists that it is going to desegregate and it is going to bust white students from their affluent part of town, to the less affluent part of town. You know what's going to happen? Parents are going to move their kids out of that school district, and they're going to do what? They're going to move somewhere else. That town is going to collapse. They're going to move. They're going to put their house up for sale, move somewhere else, 
where they can put their kids in a white school district and they're going to move out. That's what's going to happen. It happens every time. And they're going to move somewhere else where they feel like. I mean, I read one story where one guy said he had even bought a, a block, a brick, to put under the school because we identify ourselves based on the high school that we go to. And I'm like, are you kidding me? The school isn't even 100 years old. And you identify yourself because the, this is how perception works. That's classism. Perception works like this. I see myself based on the groups that I associate and affiliate with, right? You might be an independent thinker like me, like, huh? (laughs) doesn't fly with me, right? But for most people, most people think like a pack. They have a herd mentality. So whatever the herd is doing, that's what they're comfortable doing. Most people can't exist outside a zone where they're not part of a group. So they view themselves as part of this group. And I am wealthy, and I am white, and I stay in this group. And so they look for what are the the hallmarks, what are the trappings of wealth. This is why you see people coming out of Starbucks with a coffee and an iPhone, because the perception is that you are wealthy if you have an iPhone and you're coming out of Starbucks. I kid you not, right? There are certain cars that people drive. the, The payments are killing them. Most people who earn 150000 a year to 200000 a year, up to 250000 a year, their lifestyles are not at 250000 a year. They have a million-dollar lifestyle on $250,000 a year salary. So let's say in Columbia, Maryland, you have one who is an anesthesiologist and one who is a doctor. Their combined income is about 275000 a year. They're living at a million dollars a year. A lot of credit is involved. They're paying for everything by credit. So when they get paid, they just pay some bills and keep it moving, right? When you look at their cash flow and you look at how much cash they have on hand, people are asset rich and cash poor all the time. But it's important to display the trappings of that mindset and that social set. So they make sure that whatever the people in that group are doing, they do it too. If they go to Aspen, for the Christmas vacation, they do that too. If they send their kids to Europe for summer, for a part of the summer, they do that too. If the kids have tennis lessons, they do that too. If the kids have ballet, they do that too. Drum lessons, they do that too. Coaching, voice training, whatever it is, they identify themselves. They also identify themselves by what they drive. This is why you drive into some subdivision and the houses look the same. It's like a cookie cutter. Like they just took out a cookie cutter and just put it in, just switch it around. People drive the same cars because that's what people of their social set look like, sound like, and so on. They wear the same thing. You go on certain college campuses in America and certain high school campuses, and it's like the kids wear what I call a uniform based on their social identification. So people get triggered when they no longer can identify with this group that they identify with. You see what I'm saying? And so people become triggered and they don't like it. They don't like it. They don't like the fact that they 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 can't measure up or they don't resemble that. So they it, it that's where the classism comes in. I want to make sure that everyone knows and thinks that I am part of this set. We call it a pick me mentality and there's certain 
There are certain ethnic groups who are just like that. Yeah, they do. They're pick me. They're like, I am not like them. Not realizing that in the broader context, you miss the boat. You That's what a white person thinks. They think you are like them. The fact that you think differently is to your demise because in a few in a few decades, by the time you realize it, it's too late. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it interesting? And so what happens is people look for social identification. They look for what does this look like? If I am middle class, what does middle class look like? Is there a middle class in America anymore? I don't think so. I think we're all pretending. So if I'm upper middle class, what does that look like? Uh, as the parody, did you all see the parody that floated around on Thanksgiving around earpods? Right? <laughs> as the parody suggests, <laughs> if you use earpods, you drive a Tesla and you have a butler. <laughs> It was hilarious. I know. I know. I, I, it, was, it was quite hilarious. Right? But that's what people look like. So people don't want to be associated with anything that does not affect, that does not resemble or look like the social class that they aspire to be like. That's what's driving all this stuff. So, the, so, not, so in this scenario, what we're seeing is not just racism. We're also seeing classism, which is a whole different other animal because a whole other racial group has introduced classism into a mix that we never saw before. Whereas in America, it was just straight up white and black. Now you have this whole other group of people who are bringing classism in it. Like, seriously? They call it neoliberalism. Because these are people who say, I vote Democrat. These are people who say, I am a liberal. I supported Obama, or I support Biden, or I supported Hillary. I support Elizabeth Warren. These are people who actually say this politically. They say they vote blue, but you're racist at the same time. And that's something that the political establishment is wrestling with, because the demographics have changed. And you can't stop people. People are coming from different parts of the world. They bring their own traditions with them. They, bring their, they come into a setting and they look at it and they're like, I don't want to identify with those group of people because actually based on my income, I identify over here. You might as well create your own separate identity because in America, we come in boxes. You have to fit into a box and whether you like it or not, they've already slotted you into a box. It's just going to take you some time to realize it. And a lot of these folks mix only in their own ethnic group. So they form their own hierarchy within their ethnic group. They don't really mix with the wider society. They just live in the same neighborhoods as white because they feel like they're safest there. But they don't really mix and integrate that well. They really stay in their own hierarchy. And when they get invited into a white setting, they think it's an honor, like they've been bestowed by God and touched by God. I kid you not. Because that means finally validation. They're still seeking validation. Whereas the rest of us recognize that we don't need to be validated. Right? And that validation comes at a price. 
my friends, this stuff is going to happen, and it is, in fact, happening. They're probably late in Columbia, Maryland. This has been happening in other school districts. Muskegon in Michigan, Benton Harbor in Michigan, other school districts in other parts of the country have seen desegregation rearing its ugly head. They've seen racism, and especially from people who say, well, I vote liberal. I vote Democrat. I am not a racist. Yes, you are, because you don't want the black people to move near you, and you don't want black students to go to the schools where your kids go to. That's racism. On the other end of the spectrum, we got to ask ourselves, why do black people continue to be profiled like that? There are a couple of things there. There's generational endemic poverty. There are centuries and decades of people being robbed of opportunities, so they don't have a springboard. Whereas a white person has a springboard that their great-grandparents had left a little insurance money so they have something to start with, black Americans don't have that. They've been robbed for 400 years. They're just now putting a foothold where they can start. They're, they're small little pockets, and then a disaster comes that wipes it out. They're small little pockets of people who have built some sort of generational wealth. And through economic policies and infrastructural stuff, it continues to be robbed. I, I never knew such a thing could happen until it happened to me. I went for uh, a grant in 2017 that was guaranteed. And the white woman who considers herself a liberal, her name is Laura Sager. She ran an organization called CAPS in, in Lansing, Michigan. She has retired since, right? And the organization is now called Michigan Safe and Just. She got a disbursement of $310,000 to distribute to all of us, to four organizations from the metro Detroit area who were doing the activism, the social activism to end violence that the organization from California recognized. She got the money. She was supposed to write each of us a check for $75,000. She decided in her, because the money was distributed to her organization, she decided she wasn't going to write a check for $75,000. She, wrote, she kept the money and wrote us a check for $2,500. I reported her and called her up. She never invited me to any of her stuff because she's not accustomed to people standing up to her, but I reported her to the organization. They stopped doing business with her, period, because she misspent the money. She ended up retiring. Her name is Laura Sager. So these things continue, and at the time, of that 75, I needed that $75,000. I was getting the Exodus Foundation off the ground. I needed it to cement the organization, hire people, and put it in a place where it would continue to make money for me. Now, if I didn't tell you that story, you would never have known. But this woman professes to be a liberal. She's a white woman. She professes, and she's a white woman over 50. So that makes it even more marked. She professes to be a liberal. But she practiced racism on me. Yet she votes Democrat. She supports Democratic candidates, right? Espouses a Democratic liberal platform, but at the same time practiced racism when she could. Her name is Laura Sager. She's retired now, right? These things happen. So this is not an isolated case. This is something that happens over time. So if you're wondering, why is it that these black people allow themselves? Sometimes you've got to listen. 
there are times when through drug use over time, it decimates families, right? Continued drug use, they have children, and they can't exit from the generational poverty. And when people try to move away, they go to college, and education is the key. They try to move away. Educational opportunities in America that you're now seeing are not equally distributed. Years ago, someone I know who is of Indian-American descent uh, was running for politics, for representational politics here in Michigan. And he told me that in his home country, where they come from, where they originate, he told me that their grandparents and parents thought that education was the key to get around colonialism, the enslavement of people of color by, by the white patriarchy, right? And so he felt that's what, so they invested in education. They sent their kids to school to be engineers and doctors. That what they did was they made education free. So if you want to be an engineer, well, you go study to be an engineer at no cost to you. You want to be a doctor? You, this is why when you meet Indians, they're doctors. They're doctors early in life. They're not 30-year-old and just leaving medical school. They actually started from they were like 16 <laughs> studying to be a doctor. So by the time they're 28, they're done. They're practicing, right? But that's what their country did. Their society invested in education. But they were in control of their society. Here in America, black Americans were never in control of the society. So they could not determine public policy as it affects them and the way they live their lives out. It's been a struggle trying to wrestle and fight and extricate themselves from an economic oppression and control that is designed to keep them enslaved forever. Do you see the problem now? I, I hopefully I put it into context so that you 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 understand what I'm saying, right? And so what happens is they only have a few more minutes left. So what happens is that people don't know how to work around it. So from from if you are an outsider looking in, what are you most likely to do? You're most likely to blame the victim and say it's their fault why they can't do it. I used to do that until I saw it from the inside. I had to literally be placed smack in the midst of it to see it for what it is. And once I saw it, I said, holy cow, we got a problem. And what happens is the immigrants who come here from other countries, if you're not careful, you'll become subject to the system of economic oppression and racism. And when it happens, you can be robbed or be rid of. You know how they get you? You still live in, a, in the same neighborhood, but you're paying way more on your mortgage. You're paying way more for your car than the white person does. If you don't believe me, ask your neighbor. You live in the same size house, in the same neighborhood, with the same value. But where you are paying $1,700 a month, they're paying $750. And you're like, but I have great credit. I pay my bills. Well, that's what it is. You never get to save any money because your interest rates are higher. I lived it. I couldn't believe it until I lived it. I actually had to call one mortgage broker once and told them that I was going to report them for, uh, for uh, discrimination, for them to redact the mortgage of the house we lived in. I kid you not. Great credit scores and all. So from the outside, you're looking at it and you're like, well, there are some things you can do to change and empower yourself. Do you think that I was trying to change and empower myself when that white woman, instead of giving me the money that she got for free, 
to distribute to my organization. She took the money to enrich herself because she told herself, there's no way I'm going to give a group of black. And I told her that. I said, if I were a white girl sitting in front of you, you'd have given me the damn money. But you're not going to give me the money because I'm not your color. I said, you're racist. I called her out. Everybody was looking at me like, but I'm going to say it. it is what it is. The California organization called California Safe and Just, they have distributed the money to them because that's how their grant mechanisms work, mechanizations work. So they distributed it to them for them to distribute. And they told them which organizations in Detroit they want to give the money to based on my, our activism. I was well known for being an activist to end violence became a proponent of it, got a lot of people involved, you know, just started talking and got people involved to focus on this. And it worked. And here comes the crowning glory, the moment when I'm supposed to get the money. And what do you think happened? She, in her neoliberalist mindset, it's hypocrisy. Because these are the people who come to people of color and say, I am with you. But here's the thing. This is how a neoliberal, this is how a liberal works. A liberal is racist, just as racist as anybody else. Don't let them fool you. Don't, don't let them tell you that only Republicans are racist. Liberals are just as racist. You know how they're worse. At least with the Republicans, you know which side of the fence you're standing. When you're standing beside them, you know exactly how they feel about you. They just tell it like it is. They're like, hey, man, this is me. This is what I feel like. And you're like, okay, well, this is how I feel about you. Okay, so we agree to disagree. A liberal, on the other hand, stands there and tells you, I am with you. But they say, and what they really do and practice is, I know better than you because I am better than you, so you do as I say. That's how liberals are. So this white woman named Laura Sager, who got the money from California Safe and Just to distribute to my organization, her organization at the time was called CAP. They're a public policy uh, advocate organization in Michigan. They've since changed their name because she knew this day was going to come when I would call her out. Because some of you are going to go online now and look up for CAPS, C-A-P-P-S. And there would be some heat that would come at her. So she retired. I dare say maybe I'm not the only person she has done it to. Right? But here's what she did. In her liberalism, and her self-righteousness that she is better, she thinks she could have done kept the $75,000. May she burn wherever she is. Wherever she is, I have no sympathies for people who do that. I am not that person who says, oh, I forgive you. I'm not going to forgive you when you hurt me. I'm not going to forgive you. When you have destroyed my life and just almost destroyed my organization, destroyed the work that I was doing, that was the payment for the work that I had been doing. I needed it to continue doing the work to help others. And you, in your self-righteousness, think that you know better than me, so you kept the money. No. And this happens over time. So when some of you are asking, well, why don't people rise up and get out of their situation? I encourage you to listen to their story because you would have never known that this is part of my story. You would have never known that this is my story, that I lived it. I couldn't believe it happened. 
And at the same darn time, I was dealing with my mother's death. My mother died a month later. You think I needed the money? <laughs> think about that, right? She did. And this is what this neoliberalism is all about. These are hypocrites. They say they're with you. They say they espouse a, a belief system that sounds similar to you. But at the end of the day, they're going to kill you. At the end of the day, they're going to destroy you. If they don't pick up something to shoot you, they're going to tear you down economically because they recognize that giving you money is empowerment. And they're going to make sure that they take that money away from you. That organization today is called Michigan Safe and Just. They still do the same thing. They have a different leader, and Laura Sager has retired. But while she was there, this took place in 2017. While she was there, that's what they practice. And this is why I don't support any of these folks who are liberals. I'm like, don't talk to me. Because at the end of the day, you are still the same. Underneath it all, you're still racist. Underneath it all, you still practice the same brand of hypocrisy. You still don't invest in black schools. You still don't invest in black communities. Look at the current governor of the state of Michigan. She's closing a school, a black school district in Muskegon where she campaigned heavily. She has campaigned heavily to get votes to become the governor, and she's going to turn around and close the school district. There is no alternative but to close a high school with students in high school. And she actually thinks that she is, she, that's the right decision to make. Unbelievable. That's neoliberalism. So for those of you out there who think that you have a friend in a liberal, y'all need to think again. Think like this. Who is going to back me and support me? That's how you think. Who, at the end of the day, is going to support me? Align yourself with the person who is going to support you. Don't do it because they come and they campaign and they give flowery speeches. You got to remember who the Clintons are. Remember the Clintons? They were the architects of mass incarceration. They were the ones who said black boys were touching little black, white girls. And yet you all thought you were all going to vote them into power again. Right? You've got to think. Here we have this problem in Columbia, Maryland. It's just a symptom of the society and a reflection of the society we live in. It's a symptom of the times. It's a symptom of what has completely gone wrong in our educational system. Right? And most, thank you. Absolutely, I agree with you. And most of us, what we do is we just sit back. I have learned when people come to me with their stories, I have learned to listen and treat it on a case-by-case basis. When somebody comes to me and tells me they have a problem, whereas I want to just attach some kind of broad-based attachment to it, while there is some value in that, I have learned to listen on a case-by-case-by-case basis. I have learned to look at what the history surrounding that group is and look at it and say within contextually what is really going on here. Because when you think about it, it's shocking. How do you think I felt 
after associating with these folks for all of uh, the latter part of 16, 2016 into 2017. And here comes the time now when they promised us. We were out in Sacramento, California with them. They said, this is what's going to happen. And you, when you go back to Michigan, Laura Sager from CAPS is going to give you the money. We went back to Michigan and Laura Sager decided that she was not going to give the money from CAPS. That organization is now called Michigan Safe and Just. She decided not to. That's what happens to folks. I kid you not. I say this all the time. The graveyard is a place that is rich with people's broken dreams. There are so many people. If I didn't have faith and I didn't have a strong belief in myself, I would have given up. You know what happened to me after that? My mother died. I was faced with where am I going to live? What am I going to do? If I didn't have a strong faith and a belief in myself, I would have given up. I would have been done with advocacy. I would have never put my work and put myself behind getting the Exodus Foundation off the ground. I would have given up. I would have said, what's the point if you can't beat the system, if you can't get ahead of the system? I still continued. I soldiered on. I don't even know if I were, you wouldn't call me a soldier because I don't embody the submissive type of personality that being a soldier requires. I just continue to believe that someday I'm going to get it and I'm going to get back more and I'm going to continue to do as much good as long as I can, while I can, and with whomever I can. And that's why I say come as you are. Believe it or not. Did she ever apologize? Did she ever say anything? No, because she felt protected by the establishment. That the establishment would not believe me and the establishment would not support me. What she didn't realize was that the establishment did believe me because the organization did believe. And what they did was they withdrew their support. She had to stop functioning as kept. Do you see what I'm saying? I went to a retirement party and I looked at all the people who were there and I'm like, y'all need to go retire too. Why are you all there? Right? Why are you all still there? And that, my friend, is what causes people. If you ever wonder what happens to people and why people can't get off the ground and why some people seem stuck and why some people seem like those people never get it together. There are all kinds of reasons. There are generational reasons. There are reasons that some people don't even understand. They, they, they're frustrated by the obstacles and the barriers that are around them, and they don't know how to get out of it. And every time they try to get out of it, they're pushed back and pushed back and beaten up and pushed back. For some people, it's too much. There's, for some of us, we can do it and get up and keep on moving. And then there are others for whom it's too much. They can't do it. I am not excusing the problems, the social problems that exist in the black community, some of which some people cause on themselves, right? And I'm not excusing any of that. A criminal is a criminal. I don't care what you look like. You're a criminal. You need to go to jail and do the time for the crime you've committed. That's how I look at it. Because the same kinds of problems you face, I face, but I didn't choose to be a criminal. 
I didn't choose to criminalize my activities. I just adjusted myself and adjusted to my new reality and found a way to make it work around me. That's just how I chose to do it. I think that's the right approach, don't you? Right? I didn't choose to go criminalize and create a criminal enterprise or do any of that stuff. So some of the stuff that happens, some people are. But you've got to look at the context. When you look at the context, it opens up a whole diaspora. And it's diaphanous in, 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 its, in its extent. You have to look at it and say, where did this velocity come from? How much of this stuff that people are walking around with? And some people react differently to this. For some people, they make a little money and they're like, I don't identify with black anymore. I don't identify with being like that anymore. And you can't really blame them. Can't blame them. So we got some social problems. So this is for all the liberals and the neoliberals out there. You're just as racist as anybody else. And you know you are. You know you are. You've hurt people. You've damaged people. You've robbed people of opportunity. And you have contributed to the demise of people. There's a young lady I know. She still can't talk about it. She helped set up. She's never going to come on my podcast and tell her story. She's not ready to talk about it yet because she's still internalizing it. She went to school. She got herself. She got a bachelor's degree. Then she obtained a master's degree. She helped a white woman set up a nonprofit. It's now known nationwide. She was the black face working in the black community. She would, because she was black, it was easier for her to go to the community who looked like her. So they used her to get themselves established. She thought, she probably thought she was going to be there for a while. But then when they started hiring people, they started hiring white people. She had to train them as the organization grew. When I met her, I recognized something that she couldn't see. I knew exactly how it it was going to be played out because they introduced me to the white person whom she was training. I said, well, you only do that when you're going to fire someone. I warned her. I told her that day was coming. She didn't believe me. The day did come. They created such a thing that she ended up walking away. The company, the the nonprofit that she built up, they gave it to the owner of the nonprofit. Gave it to someone else. Smile. When she left, she went to pieces. She said, I thought I did everything right. I went to school, Harriet. I got my education. And they still fired you. I said, because they're still racist. Your education did not matter. You were just part of the community and the population they were serving. Girl, it was just, it's all about the Benjamin. Right? And when she saw that, she could not believe it, right? Thanks so much for joining, right? And I kid you not. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.